very much like many of you in this room, I grew up uh, around the church. But it was a little bit different. As I shared last week, my relationship with my dad was unique. My mom, she passed away when, when I was 16 years old. We found out that she was sick with cancer when I was around nine, seven. I was seven. And uh, up to that point, my grandmother lived two houses down the street from us, and she always made sure that we were at church. It was a massive part of my life in a way that is unique to the way the world lives now, I really believe, just because of how time has passed and the way that things seem to manifest differently. But I was there every time the doors were open. They gave me a key when I was 17. That's the worst idea ever. I've lost my key to this place twice. I would go, and I was there every single Sunday that, that I could be there. I was there on Wednesday nights. I, I did Bible drills. I was part of what was called a training union. Any Southern Baptist historians in the room remember training union? They would send me from training union to royal ambassadors, which was just another variant of training union. I was so trained. Because my dad was not a huge part of my life and because my mom was where she was with, with her illness it was the church that invested a lot of energy and effort into my spiritual development into my growth into my understanding of what it meant to walk with Jesus it, it was a bus driver who drove a bus because that's what bus drivers do. And he would pick me and my grandmother up on Sundays. It was my grandmother making sure that if he did not pick us up, she made me walk three miles. I did that without socks on one time. Blisters everywhere. It was Bill Reiner teaching me the stories of the Bible. It was Laverne Thomas teaching me uh, the, the truths of Scripture. I'm not who I am if God doesn't use the church. But that's all of our stories. If you're a believer in Jesus, God is, He intends to use the church to grow and to develop you. You've been bound to something. You've been united with someone and because of that, some others... You have a relationship that extends beyond our current moment into forever. And what we do in spaces like this, in what seems, the best way to explain it is an embassy. We are, as the church in 2022, this small group of people who meet together at this address, the group of people who make up Grace Bible Church are to be a representation and a reflection of what God is doing into eternity. When, they, when those who are outside of Jesus look at us, they should see that we are people who are seeking to walk with Jesus. When other churches look at us, they should see that the, that group of people is seeking to walk with Jesus. And in turn, we look at them, those who have a relationship with God through the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus, they should be, we should hope that they are walking with Jesus. 
And what unifies us is much more important than the little things that divide us. For whatever reason, we've chosen to focus on division more often than we should, sometimes more often than not. We are unified by what God has done for us in Jesus. I want So the title of our sermon, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, we're going to be at a sprint. Nate, thank you so much for sharing. When you came up, I got my phone out to take a picture. I started to tear up, and then I started taking notes. <laughs> the title is The Unity in Community. If you're a child of the 90s, you have a Queen Latifah song in your head right now. I wanted to title this Putting the Unity in Community, but it doesn't show up on Spotify the way I would like. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, why don't you look into the text as I read aloud. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it, is sa- it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and some teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. The pastor in the Atlanta area named Crawford Loritz, and I love Dr. Loritz. He is a fantastic, incredibly gifted Bible teacher. And he's speaking at a friend's church this weekend, and I read this quote, and it was so helpful to me. When I consider how often we have leaned into a unique world where we think that living as a follower of Jesus is just about you and Jesus and no one else. Where, where we can dive into our phone as deeply as we would like and look onto the YouTube as viewing as we can tube or whatever. And as we do these things, 
We live in this world where we can puff ourselves up and have no relationships whatsoever to bring us back down to earth to poke us to remove the puff. Isolation always breeds distortion. When we are living to ourselves, for ourselves, by ourselves, outside of Christian community, it will breed a misunderstanding of what God is actually saying to us because God uses people. God uses the people that make up the church to help us to grow in our faith. I can have a fuller understanding of the faith because of how God works, not in me, but though that's true, but in us. Every one of us can have a fuller understanding of the faith because of how God works in us. Now, if you've not been with us, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming. In the first three chapters of this letter, Paul laid out these massive theological foundations for the practical application of life in community. He did not give knowledge for knowledge's sake. He gave knowledge for implication, for practical living of life's sake. Here is a gathering together of what you see in the first three chapters in one sentence. God gathered His church, Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. So, God gathered the church together under the name of Jesus, by the person of Jesus, for Jesus. To give you what we would have called in the 80s the amplified translation of that, let me help you to hear. God gathered the church, every single believer under the name of Jesus, by the death and resurrection of Jesus, for the sake of celebrating Jesus. So you and I have been made part of something that is unique. Altogether unique. And God has called each and every believer to live in a manner worthy of this calling. By pres- so that we would preserve unity and we would use the gifts that God has provided for us to build up the body so they will all mo- so we'll move together in maturity. We get to celebrate Nate today and we, and we get to urge him to do what this text urges every believer in the room to do. Because we're going to trust that God is saying to His people who know Him and who love Him, walk with me. I... I Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, that's Paul, by the way, in the clink, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Three things are at play when you begin to talk about what Paul says to us as believers. Belief, value, and behavior. We all have a list as to what we believe. What do you think is true? And and Nate used the word believe multiple times. He told me at one point that his mom and dad don't always tell the truth. I believe you do, Frank and Pamela. (laughs) Totally. What do you think is true? Value? What are our hearts learning to love? Does what you love, is that born out of what you believe to be true? Those together impact the behavior of each believer and the believing church. Because of what I believe, that grows my affection for what I love, what are you and what am I going to do with this life? 
You get this one. You get this one. And the decisions that we make as parents, and I get lots of parents in this room, the decisions that you make in regard to what you value, what you believe to be true, makes a declaration to those who we are raising as to what we believe and what we love. You get one shot to raise those little people at your house. No mulligans. What are we doing with that? We as believers, we're citizens of heaven. We've been made part of something grand that God is doing. To declare the, the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's how Peter words it. doesn't sound like Peter because I think that he grunted a lot, but it totally is Peter. <laughs> Peterson says this, You're to walk, better yet to run on the road God has called you to travel. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. You have one master, one faith, one baptism. So he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What we believe, helping us to know who we love so that we can live in a way that says that He is true. With all, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Our Lord Jesus is incredibly humble, gentle, and patient. He is humble, patient, and gentle in dealing with you. If you have not realized that He is humble, patient, and gentle in the way that He deals with you, you may not have realized what it means to know Him. God is ever patient with us. He is incredible. That your breathing on this side of eternity is the patience of God. Because we do dumb things momentarily. Every day. Dane Orland wrote Gentle and Lowly. We were able to give that to you guys thanks to Crossway. He says this about the, the, the stature of Jesus and the way that Jesus uh, approaches people. Lowly gentleness is not one way Jesus occasionally acts towards others. Gentleness is who He is. Gentleness is, at the, is His heart. We see this in Jesus. Now there are some who love to bring up when Jesus turned over tables in the temple and had a whip. I've never met a non-quarrelsome person who brings that up. We're just looking for a bout. Looking for a brouhaha. I've never met a quarrelsome person who seemed to be aligned with the gentle, lowly aspect of, of who God is. And what that really comes down to for us, it's a maturity issue. If we're looking to fight every time there's a fight, then... Are we really saying there are things worth fighting about? If we're looking to argue and grumble and be, be completely disconnected from one another because we believe that our opinions are more important than other people's opinions, that's a maturity situation for you. And when, it, when, it, when that happens for me, and it does daily, it's a maturity situation for me. The passage 
pointing us to this. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling. Those words don't... You've been called to Jesus. You've not even been called to be right. You've been called to trust the one who makes people righteous. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So, so let's walk through those because Paul, just rapid fire, in the way that Paul does, drops the ones. One body. This is the goal of the section of this text. What is the body of believers intended to do? What is our purpose? What does the life of someone who walks with Jesus look like? One spirit. We have access to God. We have, and we find the definition of that in Ephesians 2.18. We have access to God by the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer. One hope. What is our hope according to what Paul's been teaching us in Ephesians? There's a really great future in store for God's people when we will be perfectly united without division. We have one Lord. He has a name. What is it? You can participate with me. I really, as the pastor of a church, we have one Lord. What's His name? That's really, really good. Uh, We have... We have... Deep breaths. One faith. We have a unified... We have unifying shared beliefs. Paul's been teaching those through the text. His death, his resurrection. One baptism. The word there is tricky. It's the word uh, soaking, immersion. But there are disagreements in regard to this, and I don't want to ever offend... There are people who are brothers and sisters in Christ who see baptism differently than I do. Josh Rieger is one of the best people I know. He was with us for, for months. We supported him while he was in England as a church. He loves Jesus. He's such a better Christian and preacher than me. He's smarter than me. He can't come back. It's a symbol of what we see Nate do today is a declaration that he believes that he has been baptized into the person of Jesus. That Jesus dealt with his sin. That Jesus gave him life. That's what we see moving in one text, one this idea of a public declaration. They've all made the same... uh, uh, When you look at the church here, they have all made the same public declaration of their allegiance to Jesus, symbolizing they have died with Christ and risen to to new life. Romans 6 tells us that. And their sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. Now, uh, cards on the table, because that's where cards should be. If you're keeping them under the table, that's on you. I believe the method of symbolic, what we saw here today, I think that most aligns with what Scripture teaches in regard to baptism. It's what we practice here at Grace. and We've got members who've never been immersed, but you believe and you've trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus and you're family to us. But if this is something that you're wrestling with, I, I, I really believe Scripture teaches this. That we will be baptized, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a new kind of life. 
this declares something publicly. It's called uh, credo-baptism, or we, we declare this as believers. One God, one Father, we see in the text. We see God as the one... He has been orchestrating this, and not in the evil villain way of orchestrating things. God has been, because He desires for people to know Him and to love Him and for people to be in right relationship with Him, He has been working throughout all of history so that redemption would be something that was possible, so that hope would be there for us. Verse 7, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, When He ascended on high, He took the captives captive. That's quoting from Psalm 68. And really what we see working in that text, there's a military victor who has... And if you were a military victor, you had every right to receive gifts from those you had defeated. As usual, Jesus flips the idea on its head. And Paul flips that concept on its head. All of us were enemies of Jesus. Our sin caused us to be at war with God. We were captives to the sin. And when he defeated sin, undid sin, he is someone who meets us and rather than expecting us to give him gifts first, he gives gifts to us. Jesus is better than any of us realize. Jesus does more than any of us will ever even be able to acknowledge. Jesus always at work. Christ has freed us and he should receive the gift of our lives. lives. However, he gives gifts to us. Now, what does this mean for us? What is this saying to us? He goes on in verse 9, but what does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of earth? The one who descends is also the one who ascended far above the heavens to fill all things. The, so, so just to break that down, wicka, wicka, the resurrected Jesus has now imparted the fullness of his blessing to the church and to the universe. It has been declared by Jesus that death has been undone and hope has arrived. That's Jesus. And if you don't know that Jesus, then you don't know Jesus at all. That's who he says that he is. 11 through 16, in typical Pauline fashion, is one long sentence. Let me read it. One long sentence. Sometimes, before I do, it does not say sometimes that. Sometimes for us, I, I, I kind of get... I love the idea that we read Scripture so much in our services. And I'm grateful that Jared has moved us to that in every aspect of service. If you ever look at the screen, the Scripture on the screen. During songs, you'll notice in print that people who are over the age of 40, which includes me, cannot read. There is Scripture on the screen. When we do prayers of confession, those are based in Scripture. When we have responsive readings, those are scriptural. I'm going to read my text. Jared asked me a couple of days ago, hey, what if we had somebody else read your text? One, I would not know what I was saying if I did not read through it out loud. Number two, hear me, friends. What the Bible says is more important than what I think about what the Bible says. We all, 
We always elevate Jesus. And we always elevate the Word of Jesus. So hear this in 11 through 16, just so we're together. He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of, of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by proper working of each individual spirit. One long sentence, Paul. The word equips there. And it's really helpful for us. These people that you talk about, these apostles and these teachers, these evangelists, the apostle and the prophet, those, the apostles, when we look at the scriptures, those were people who saw Jesus. Those who we know to be the apostles, they saw Jesus physically. When you look at, Paul calls himself an apostle, he saw Jesus in Acts chapter 9. The others who saw Jesus. The prophets are those who declare this. We don't get new versions of those. If, any, if I come up here and say, man, I think I'm an apostle today, just shut me down like a dart gun or something. But he also gives us evangelists. That the, with these apostles and these prophets, they are foundational to us knowing the truth of who God is. The apostles are the ones who, who write the New Testament. We see that. The evangelists get to declare, this is good news. Hell has been undone. Hope is here. Hope has a name. Pastors and teachers, those who've been given the opportunity to teach us God's Word, to shepherd God's people. The word elder, it's Jared, myself, Greg, Greg. We have two Gregs. One has two G's. Tim and Steve. God has given us the position to shepherd you. The op- and when I say position, I just mean opportunity. To shepherd our people and to guide you toward Christ-likeness. To walk with Jesus. So when we have to come and say really weird things, it's because God would call us, to, He would give us this chance. Earlier this year, I had a conversation with you about money. I just want you to celebrate the unity of the church and just hear me. In January, I said we were going to start working to reduce debt. Since January, we have paid $90,000 off of what we owe as a church. That's a big, big deal. The whole while, they would try to talk to me about numbers, and I would put my fingers in here like, just keep going. Jared kept me looped in. This was a, and we are moving in the next year to do the, continue to do that. Remove the debt that our church has. And we don't have an astronomical amount of debt. We have debt that people are comfortable with. But I don't want us to be. If we can get away from that, it allows us to extend our ministry into this community, which you guys are so supportive of.
And so, helpful to do, the pastors, the teachers, these people, to equip the saints. That you, Every believing person, broken body, shed blood of Jesus, if that is something that your hope is in, and you're a member here, we've been called to equip you for the work of ministry. So this just isn't people who get on stages with microphones and keyboards. All of us equipped to do the work of ministry. The word equipped there is very helpful for us, though. We build up the church. And that's definitely true. We should be a church, an embassy of the grand church, seeking to build up the church in our community, to show that hope is possible because of Jesus. To show that death has been undone because of Jesus. Those are things that we get to say and we get to do. But equipping the saints, that word was also used in a different way at that point in history. It also means to mend or to restore. You don't have to be around churches for a long time to realize that there are times that People are hurt by them. And I'm not sure what you've gone through or why you went through it. I'm not sure who hurt you or why they hurt you. I don't know every story that's present in a space like this. But whatever happened to cause that, and if you're here, I'm so glad you're still here. I want you to hear me say, God doesn't view you as lesser because of whatever you walk through. He did not unsaint you. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, then He is still your hope. And hopefully, if you're in a place where you need someone just to sit down and care for you, you'll trust that we love to see people equipped, mended, restored. That we believe that there's value in that. 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Ministry in the church is going to move saints toward three things. The things that we push you to, where it's a life group, D group, Bible study on Wednesday, definitely being part of what happens in here. Ministry moves believers to accomplish three goals. That we would know Jesus, that we would grow in Jesus, and that we would show Jesus. That if we are believers, and we want people who are outside of relationship with God to know that Jesus loves and cares for them. We want believing people to, to grow in Jesus. And we all want to share to those who are outside of the faith that there is hope in Jesus. Verse 14. Then, there will no longer be, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into Him who is the head. Let us grow into Jesus. 
From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up for the proper working of, every, of each individual part. We as followers of Jesus should be in a different place now than we were when we came to know Jesus. We should be able to look and see that I, I, I'm, I'm, my belief about Jesus has been strengthened because of my relationship with Jesus. I have grown in my affection for Jesus. I have deepened my desire to walk with Jesus and that is shown in the way that I treat other people. God's given us such an incredible thing that is the church, telling us that we're not alone. Augustine, I'll close with this quote. By faithfulness, we are collected and wound up into unity within ourselves. Whereas we have been scattered abroad in multiplicity. The entirety of our broken world wants to divide us. Let's not find anything else to divide and let's seek after the one who unites. Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. The hope of the world. We take communion in here consistently at Grace. And if you're a believer in Jesus, whether that means you're a believer who's part of this congregation or you have placed your faith in Jesus and you're just visiting with us today, we invite you to take communion with us. If you are not a believer in Jesus, just don't take it. If you would like to talk about what it means to walk with Jesus... If you've never placed your faith and your hope and your trust in Him, but you believe that is something that the Lord is impressing upon you, I'm going to be in the back right-hand corner. I'm going to take a couple of cups of communion stuff with me. If you want to walk through what it means to trust in Jesus, we can do that. We can talk through that right now. If you need to be prayed for, I would love for you to invite us to pray for you, to let us walk alongside of you in this difficult world that we live in. To help, maybe, so that you could be equipped and restored, maybe mended, as the scriptures talk about. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and the celebration of what you've done in Nate's life. We thank you that that is a celebration that that every believer in this room can attest to. So Jesus, we, we ask you to move in, in the hearts and minds and lives of our people. So many who have different backgrounds and stories, but you've united us. You've bound us together. Let us see the validity of that. Let us see the, 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 how that's worth our celebration. And Lord, if there are any in the space here, Lord, as they're preparing to take communion... Will we just wrestle with what that means? That your body was broken, that your blood was shed. And then when we take of the cup and we we eat of the bread, we are saying that we have been united with you.